to the Coach V Show. Tonight, we are featuring the recruiting director in all things recruiting and development of players on BYU's football team and campus, Brother Jason Ayu. We're going to be chopping it up on his life story from Kahuku's side, his father, um, being a BYU, everything growing up, growing up in Rancho Cucamonga at Owanda High School, and then his journey to getting to where he is today as the director at BYU football for recruiting and everything personal and development for players on campus. Stay tuned. It's about to be hot. And now a word from our sponsor. Maolele, my name is Viliamitu Ibai, and I'm here today to share what it is that we do as a family, as an active family that both of our kids this fall are participating both in two sports and how vital and important it was for my wife and I, Nurse Martha, who is a professional in the medical industry, that we all are vaccinated and also that our son, who is now eligible for vaccination will be vaccinated as well. That is what we're doing as a family. Thank you so much for your attention. So do all you can with social distancing, wear a mask where you can and where it is that's demanded and safe for us and wash your hands. And lastly, get vaccinated. your Hollywood radio show for personal development with expert insights and interviews to help you, me, and we work to be our best and live our best life. Offering for your consideration life lessons, behavioral models, and success frameworks should you find value in that you deploy into your marketplace and extract what it is that you find valuable and level up in life, leadership, and business. Today, the Coach V Show and Island City broadcast from Hollywood, California's Dash Radio Studio is Juice. They have brother Jason IU as the feature on this show. Jason directs the programs at BYU, recruiting efforts and manage player personnel duties as the executive coordinator of recruiting and player personnel. He directs the strategic planning and execution of BYU's recruiting activities, messages, materials, and official and unofficial visits. His responsibilities include identification and recruitment of prospective student athletes, organization, and management of the recruiting process, coordination of recruiting communication and strategies, and implementation of special events associated with recruiting such as BYU Junior Day and High School Coaches Clinic. Among his other duties, IU is a resource and mentor to the student athletes in the program, works with the coaching staff to manage the team's roster, and serves as the team's NFL and pro liaison. 
His highlights include many, including establishment and implementation of the current BYU football academic expectations program with players and coaches and the faculty appreciation program. He created and coordinated the BYU football trunk or treat activity in 2016. He developed and coordinated youth pro day event, team big man's camp team and seven on seven um, competitions. And he reinitiated the BYU Polynesian club after a four year hiatus to provide student athletes an opportunity to interact and mingle with other students on campus in an uplifting and proactive way. And he is also a member of the Diversity and Inclusion Committee on campus. Coach V family and Island City family, welcome to the show. Your boy, Jason IU, welcome to the show, brother. Coach V, man, it's a blessing and an honor to be on your show, brother. I really appreciate you reaching out. Man, the honor is mine. It was, it was interesting when, when you texted me back and I was like, so does that mean you you want to come on the show or you don't want to come on, on the show? Because <laughs> we have been around each other, but it's been almost a decade since we've yeah. last been in, in front of each other in person. So please, without further ado, let, let, let's let's tell the audience um, your, your story and what is your genesis point and start wherever you want in terms of what you feel is an introduction of yourself and where this Jason I used a story started. Yeah, no, I really appreciate that, V. You know, my story really started with my parents. Uh, my mm. father uh, grew up, it was born in Samoa. Um, at the age of 12, he moved to uh, Laia, Hawaii, on the island of Oahu. There he met his wife, my, my mom, um, at Kahuku High. Um, they got married. He was a star football player for the Kahuku Red Raiders. Um, had a lot of offers to go to as many different places, Nebraska, SC, Oklahoma, you name it. And um, being a devout member of the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints, his father told him, I want you to go to the church school, mm. which was BYU. And right. so he came to BYU, and that's really where it all started. I was born in Provo, Utah, when my dad was playing football. Uh, so I have a real connection to BYU and, and, and that. And then my mom's family had this, thus uh, moved to California, to Torrance, California. Mm -hmm. And uh, after my dad's graduation, we moved to uh, moved down that way. And, and I was raised in Rancho Cucamonga, California. I went mm -hmm. to school in Etiwanda High. I'm a E-High 90 grad. Um, <clears throat> and that's really where it was at. That's really where my upbringing was. My dad, um, you know, just an island boy, got a college degree, um, and then worked two jobs, uh, got two master's degrees, you know, and so he, I'm the oldest of six children. I have uh, three sisters and two younger brothers, and that work ethic and that sacrifice, and we grew up in humble beginnings. My dad worked for everything. My mom was fortunate enough to be a stay-at-home mother, mm -hmm. um, and so I, I have a blessed, blessed childhood, and I think that's one thing that really integrated with me is my is the willingness to sacrifice <clears throat> and to work for uh, for everything uh, we were humble man I mean we were in the free lunch lines we were anything free we were in that line mm, uh, mm. you know and we had no shame in our game and my dad worked his butt off and very 
Rarely was he able to make it to a practice, but he made it to all my games, and that meant a lot. And I always looked up into the crowd after the game was done because of his work schedule and school schedule. You know, he would always come there a little bit late, but I just remember being there at uh, at Wanda High. We would play our home games at uh, Chapey College and uh, just looking up, always trying to look for my father and uh, and to see his support. And so that's basically what's bred in me is, mm. um, you know, just work and um, have effort and to be the very best. You know, I think for me, V, to be honest, I wasn't one of those kids. Like, I only went to one school. I knew I only went, I wanted to go to one college, and that was BYU. And I went to BYU because my father went to BYU. Mm. And when I went to BYU, coming from California to Utah, it was a little bit of a cultural shock. I think it's for any kid as a freshman walking in. I remember walking in my first day of class. I'm wearing my Letterman's jacket, you know, and – these kids, my first class at BYU was human anatomy. Mm. And I don't know why I was in that class, but I got humbled really, really quick. <laughs> you know, it was a 7 a.m. class and there's a dead body, a cadaver in the middle of the classroom. And I'm like, okay, I'm not in high school no more. And, uh, you know, and I wasn't one of those kids, coach, that had a plan. Mm. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I wanted to play football. But that was taken away from me my senior year in high school. Uh, I injured my back and actually herniated my disc in my back doing some summer lifting, some squats. And I felt a pop, and that really messed up my career as far as playing. Back then, you know, in the early, late 80s, early 90s, technology wasn't the same. You have a surgery like that. You have a back injury like that. You're done. Mm-hmm. And that's how I just kind of felt like my career was done. So I was kind of lost going to BYU, not knowing exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted, my mind was, I worked for a chiropractor in high school. I was thinking, okay, I want to be a chiropractor. And that's why my very first class at BYU was uh, human anatomy. Mm. Um, probably should have started off a little, you know, a little smaller, <laughs> but I went straight to the get-go of human anatomy and, you know, I changed my major two or three times while I was there. And then I let I met my beautiful wife, who we've been married for 25 years mm. now. And we have two wonderful kids, my son Chaz, my daughter Zion. But I'll be honest, brother, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Right. Um, I had no plan. I had no I was a little bit too prideful to to ask for help, you know, and I changed, like I said, I changed my major three times. Uh, when I got married in 1996, um, you know, it was real life. And now I'm thinking like, okay, how am I going to take care of my wife? I have no job. Right. I'm a student. And um, I found a summer job delivering sheetrock, delivering drywall and building materials. Right. You know? And I was just taking that. And uh, I did that. And I was like, okay, I guess this is my career. And I started off $7 an hour as a stalker. And I, like I said, I ain't afraid of hard work. I know what I bring to the table. And I worked my way up all the way up until to outside sales, to inside manager, to operations supervisor. For seven years, I worked in that field. And 
I remember looking to my, my wife and I, now we had kids and it's like, okay, I guess this is what I'm going to do. This right, is what right, I'm going right. to do, you know? <laughs> and uh, I still had a vision of playing football. Um, but of course, you know, obviously my back was jacked and I couldn't play at BYU. I couldn't pass the physical. Um, I did serve a two-year mission prior to getting married, um, hoping that I could walk and, you know, and work it off for the two years. And, and when I came back off my mission, um, I was working at UPS at a part-time job and hurt my back again. And I ended up having surgery and that was it. That was a wrap for my football mm-hmm. career. Um, and so I was married, had kids, had a back surgery, wasn't sure what to do uh, as far as life. I knew I still wanted to be drawn to football. Like football's in our blood. My dad played, my brothers played, my uncles played, my cousins played. I'd go to games and watch my cousins and friends playing. And man, it just drove me like, gosh, I got to play. I want to be, I want to play. Um, a semi-pro team came up at Utah. And, you know, I was like, you know what? Shoot. I got to prove it to myself that I can play at this level, you right, know, right. and all the guys. And I so I played semi-pro outdoor football. And then there was a, an indoor team, an arena team that came to Utah. And I, you know, people were like, Hey, try out, try out. And I was like, man, everyone that's trying out play college. They played, right, that, right. They played at Utah, they played at BYU, they played at Idaho State. And I've never played college ball. So I was a little intimidated. Like, nah, I don't know, I don't know man. There's, I never played college ball. These coaches are going to look for college guys. I never played it. But on the last day of tryout, I decided to go. And it was at the University of Utah. It was an indoor bubble. It was 11 o'clock at night because that's the only time we could get the bubble to try out. And I made the team, bro. And, uh, you know, and we played in the the Maverick Center and and – the funny thing, and I bring this all together because one of the people that watched me play were a group of coaches from Snow College. Right. And my brother CJ had left BYU and went to Snow College for a year. And his D-line coach um, abruptly left a week before the season. And so the Snow College coaches were scrambling, trying to find a D-line coach. And they had watched me play. Um in this arena football league, right? And uh, the coaches went approached my brother, CJ, and said, hey, we need a coach. We're thinking about your, uh, we're thinking about Jason. And my brother, CJ goes, Jason who? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. Like, Jason, your brother, he's like, my brother? I never coached, ever. Yeah, yeah. I coached Little League, you know, coached my little brothers. He's like, yeah, Jason would be great. He called me. He's like, hey, these Snow College coaches who you don't even know saw you play football in the arena and want you to coach Snow College. And uh, I got the call. I went down there and I coached Snow College. And that's where I met you, remember? That's when you yeah. were at Boise State. You came down yeah. and recruited Snow. I coached her for four years. And I had a, I drove from Eagle Mountain to where I live now to Ephraim, Utah. And that's about an hour and a half drive one way. Yeah, yeah. And, and I still worked my full-time job, which was delivering sheetrock and, and doing some things and uh, would commute down there. I remember picking you up from the airport. I was like, hey, you want to come down to Ephraim? Then let me drive you down to Ephraim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> remember? 
And I yes. drove that for four years. And I told my wife, you know, I, I mean, the stipend for Snow Cloud was only $5,000. And yeah, I was spending yeah. a lot of time down there. And my wife asked me, honey, how, how are we going to do this with the kids, you know? And um, I said, honey, just give me five years. Just give me five years. And if I don't make it to a D1 level, I'll, I'll walk away from coaching. I fill my coffers. I'm done. You know, like I, I felt good about what I've done. Year four, I get a call from uh, Gary Anderson, who was the defensive coordinator at Utah. Yep. And, and he asked me, he's like, Jay, I can't promise you a full-time position, but I want you to be a part of my staff. I want you to be to help me with the defensive line. Um, I can't promise you that you'll travel, but you're going to learn a ton of football and you're going to have a, your foot in the door here at Utah. Yeah. He's like, Connie has talked to me about you. We've watched you in camps. You know, I used to coach at all those camps, Utah camps, yeah, Poly yeah. camp, and uh, we're very impressed. And the and the product that you had, you know, I had eleven Division One guys in the four years that I was there. Yeah. Um, you know, I had a bunch of dudes, and uh, he said, "We love what you're doing, and the invitation's yours." And I went back to my wife and I said, "Honey, Utah called. I think you know I'm a bored BYU guy." Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. The irony, the irony, yeah. right? Yeah. I'm a board BYU guy, but Utah gave me the opportunity, and I took it, and there was no pay. I volunteered. I was a, a an analyst, really. We call it a, a admin assistant. Um, and Elisa Tuiaki was a graduate assistant. Yeah. And I was the administrative assistant. There's only for for the defense, and I told my wife, honey, my wife's like, honey. We, this isn't helping us financially. And I told her, just give me three years. Give me three years. And if nothing happens in three years, if I don't get a full-time gig, then, then I'll walk away. And then the year three, um, I had an opportunity to interview. It didn't go my way. Um, but I felt like I've, I've offered as much as I possibly could to the coaching world. And I got that feel of being football. That's my passion and being involved. And I walked away from football was able to coach my son in high school. He was in seventh, eighth grade at the time and coached him all the way through high school. And lo and behold, Bronco Mendehall steps away from, from uh, BYU and takes the Virginia job. And they offer the job to Kalani Sataki at yeah. BYU. And Kalani called me and says, I'd love for you to be a part of my staff. Yeah, yeah. And and that, and the rest is history, brother. This is my year six over there. Can you imagine? I, I had no clue, but I'm doing what I love, you know. And you know, we talked about, you know, fine. And I see my friends too in the coaching world. Like, holy crap, they're coordinators, they're coaches, they're head coaches. They're making money, money, and money. And you know what? I had to redefine. Not really redefine. I had to clarify what my success was. What yeah. I built was my success. And if I measure success by, by my financial, you know, my income, then I wouldn't be very successful. But I don't. I measure my success in relationships and being happy. And having a happy wife is a happy life. And uh, having my two children healthy and happy. Bro, I'm on the top of the world. Now I get the opportunity. I don't coach on the field, but I get to interact and coach and mentor these young men 
off the field. And that brings me a lot of joy, brother. You know, yeah. I, truly, I am rich beyond measure being able to do that and be around such great people and great young men and help shape them and help them maybe through my life experience, help them go through these tough times and to say, it's okay. These struggles are real and they're natural. Mm-hmm. You're going to go mm-hmm. through it and I'm here to back you up and you're going to have ups and downs and it's okay. You know, you're going to fail sometimes. You're going to fail the class. You're going to miss a tackle. You're going to miss a block. The coaches are going to be yelling at you. You're going to feel the weight of the world. You're going to break up with a girlfriend. You know, you're going to do all these things. And you know what? I'm right here, right next to you. I'm going to be here and support you and to love you. And brother, I'm when it was in regards to that, I'm the richest man in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think I have so much fulfillment and so much joy. And I'm here at home, my family, my in-laws, my my mom, my dad, my mother-in-law, you know. I'm so blessed. So, so, so very blessed. So that's it, man. That's that's me. And it's intriguing because the people it is that I, I coach uh, right now, because they have that, the money starts chasing and becomes attracted to you. And you're just getting started, right? I mean, of all the sacrifices, right, Jay? Real talk. Yeah. Like, it, you're just getting started and the best is yet to come, which I'm excited to unfold and really have an opportunity to tell your story on the front end. Because people don't, people see you in Kalani. I've known you guys since Kalani was, you know, I first met you guys way back, right? Way back, yeah. And I mean, I think Kalani was at Southern Utah. Then Elisa came over, right, as the GA. I met you. I, I've been so far removed from football. I forgot. I actually tried to recruit your brother, and yeah. he went to Oklahoma. Yeah, right? Yeah, we yeah. met him in the Fiesta Bowl, but that's just how far removed I am from football. It's just been so long that I'm like, freaking forgot about CJ. <laughs> baller, baller. And ironically, you know, we met up in that 2007 Fiesta Bowl during my yes. first year as the linebacker coach. But your story is just awesome because from afar, because you play, I used to be in the stands at Chafee in junior high and in high school as a freshman watching. I mean, it was like you, Will Talke, Aho. Come on, bro. Yeah. Come on, bro. Shonday yeah. Smith, right? Yes. You yes. guys were legendary yeah. in my in my hood, the 909, right? San Gabriel Valley, you know, right there off the 15, the, that whole Pomona 909, IE, sure. right? Right in the border between L.A. County and San Bernardino County. When I first started playing organized sports, you guys were kidding. I used to hate Etiwanda too, because they go to this gym. You know how we all meet in the theater at Ontario High School? Remember <laughs> yeah. those days? Yeah. Remember yeah. That's way back, right? <laughs> and and so I got to Ganesha at 91. I think you were already gone, but you guys already set a precedent that would set up. I think they went 14 and 0 that next year, right? Yeah, they did. Right. I so I, I came in, and so I was kind of around during the legend that was your time, and yeah. I watched you guys, you know. But, like, my first um, interaction with Etiwanda was, you know, they introduced the head coach. Remember that at Ontario yeah. High School in that theater? Yes. And Etiwanda would all stand up and just be like, number one, <laughs> the whole team. Remember that? Remember that? Remember that? <laughs> Did you guys do that when you were there, too? Yeah, we did, man. And, and, and then you guys killed everybody in the league. Yeah. I mean, back then it was Chafee, Montclair, right? Ontario yeah. High School, Etiwanda, Ganesha. Oklahoma. But yeah. 
Ganesha, Gary. And, and you didn't know I knew that. Even when I first met you, you didn't know I knew who you were. Did, yeah. You didn't know, huh? I did not know, brother. So, like, bro, I've been watching you for, for, for so long, and I knew there would be an opportunity to tell your story when I started this. It would just be when. And now that the season's wind down. So, Coach, thank you so much for just taking the time and unpacking that story. Let's start with really building the foundation that was kind of really a new high school back when you guys came out, Funtucky, Full High, Eisenhower yeah. was the perennial, right? Very similar to the situation where you guys came in at BYU and trying to re, because Etiwana didn't have a tradition. No. Like BYU has a tradition, exactly. right? So if you could coach, if you could just start, like who are your parents? Please tell us their names. And then kind of unpack that starting a new tradition that was Etiwanda, which back then Eisenhower, Ike Mob, Fohai was mm. just killing it, especially yes. Mormon Polynesian, uh, Ray Tongale and those guys were down yeah. there. Uh, <laughs> the Kalvaka brothers, right? Latus, yeah. yeah Latus, oh my gosh, Latus that yeah. came over to, there was Latus on Fontana and Talk about who your parents are and then just that high school experience that really set the foundation for your love for football, right? Yeah. Your dad. I mean, come on. And even talk about Kahuku. I mean, that's just a anybody who's never seen a Kahuku or graduation or Kahuku high school football, just YouTube it. Yeah. You will be at like when you talk about culture, this is how we live. I know that's a lot there for you to unpack, but just what comes top of mind when I talk at Awanda, right? Set, creating a culture. You guys are recreating a culture there that has national championship. You're not trying to be a BCS bowl buster, right? Yeah, yeah. You guys have done that already, yeah. but now let's do it all the time. Well, talk about that, Jay. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. You know, my parents, my father is Charles Ayu. He's the youngest of nine children. Mm -hmm. His parents are Mickey and Mella <clears throat> from Fallen New, Samoa. My mother is, <clears throat> is number nine of 14 children. Her parents were Max and Irene Hanneman. Uh -huh. and the so, Hanneman family. The Hanneman family. Yes. I didn't know that. That's so, a huge family. I mean, like Mayor Hanneman that was over in yes. Hawaii, right? Yep. Okay. Yep. <clears throat> so the Hanneman family runs deep. Um, and the IU family runs deep in Hawaii. And so I'm very blessed with two rich heritages. Mm -hmm. of, of culture and family and respect you know and like I said my father went to Kuka Red Raiders uh, he was a leading rusher um, and he was the first person out of Kahuku to graduate from BYU with a degree uh, and that was big for him that was huge for him and he's always been that guy that wanted more more than just what was on the island you know he wanted more than the island life and we were, grew up in Rancho Cucamonga, and there was a new high school. Yeah, yeah. At Awanda High. That's it right. Was it was only two years old by the time I was going to high school. And Etiwanda was, you know, way out there by itself. And my father worked his butt off, like I said, two jobs, and was able to get us a home so that we could go to Etiwanda High. It was a new school. Um, there wasn't gangs, the, you know, there wasn't all that from like Alps Loma or Chafee. Our, in my boundary, I would have went to Chafee. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so it was either Chafee or we go to Alps Loma, but we decided, my father decided, no, I'm going to take you guys to the new school 
a new culture, um, a new, you know, a, a new high school. And those first couple of years at Etiwanda, we were trying to define what our culture was. Yes, and you right. had the full highs and you had all the talent. I mean, there's so much talent in the IE, you know, and established talent. And uh, I remember our first game, we played, uh, we played full high in a passing tournament. And they, you know, they were a run team, but they kicked our butts. And we would play it all in you know, Glendora and Ganesha and Gary and you name it. And we had to really define who we were. And we played with a little chip on our shoulder, you know. Um, and we had some guys that, you know, that wanted to play and felt like we could compete with the big boys. And, and that's what we did, man. We were very close. We lifted. We played together. We sat together mm -hmm. in the quad. Um, you know, we had each other's backs. We always watched out for each other. We'd go to group activities or parties and just make sure, hey, we're, we're trying to live a right life. We got football, you know, and yeah. that kind of just kept us safe, you know, and kept us out of trouble, um, kept us with the focus, and we were able to accomplish those. And the year after I graduated, when they went 14 to 0. Yeah. And, yeah. And got it, and they kept rolling, you know, so – Going to BYU was a new thing. When people don't realize that when Bronco Menahan left, he took everybody. He took the DFO, he took the recruiting, he took uh, yeah. the strength staff, he took all the coaches. And so Kalani, as a first time head coach, came in with a whole new staff. Right. And even the support staff. And we were trying to figure out our roles and what we're supposed to do. And, you know, college football wasn't waiting for us. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, they waiting for BYU. Oh, yeah, yeah, let's hold up. Let BYU have some time to acclimate. I mean, we were rolling, you know, and, you know, we've evolved into we finally got the momentum going and who we are. And, you know, we're, we're a culture of love and learn, and our guys are bought in. And, uh, you know, we're 21 and 4 the last two years, yeah. you know. And yeah. uh, I feel really confident moving forward that we finally got that going. But, yeah, that, that that's that's my family. So big, my family, my, my my dad comes from a family of nine. My mom from a family of fourteen, and so family get-togethers, family reunions are huge, right? <laughs> right, right. So even my wife, my wife comes from a family of eight, and so even getting with them, it's just one humongous party. And so I'm very very fortunate. Yeah, and and talk about that, um, coach. Talk about the transition from really trying to figure out how to make football your full-time. Yeah. Right? And then you get in, and then it's like, you know, because everybody's like, man, you want to be married, but you have really no idea what marriage is until you are married, right? You want to be in Division I football, but you don't really realize the responsibility, the accountability, the daily habits, activities, the routines that need to be created in terms of culture and process, right? You just don't know. Yeah. And then especially when you're on the outside looking in, it's like, man, I can't believe they lost that game, man. Winning is the hardest thing to do in life, not it's just hard. volleyball, not just football and yeah. everything. Right. <laughs> Winning is hard to do. The norm, the norm is like, you know, baseball striking out 70, 70 to 80 times, you know, 70 percent of the time, 80 percent of the time. It's just so hard. But then then you get in it or you get married or you think, you know, what having kids is. But you don't know until you have kids. 
how did it feel like to bear there's a real burden now of accountability when you get a Absolutely. paycheck you're no longer an assistant or a volunteer like yeah. now you you have to make choices choices have consequences Talk about that whole experience, coach, of how like you want to get in and then you got in and then you're like, oh, shit, I didn't know it was going to be like, <laughs> come on, real talk. Well, yeah, real, real talk, talk, right? So we got in in 2016. Our first year, we had Taysom Hill. We had Fred Warner. We had Jamal Williams. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, we had some, we had Stella Takitaki. We had some cats and we yeah. went nine and four, right? Mm -hmm. And so we're thinking like, oh, this is easy. Dude, first year? <laughs> We went nine to four <laughs> and right. those guys all left, graduated. It was a very heavy senior class and they left. And the next year we went four and nine. Right. And the world was falling down, brother. We were, yeah. at first we were the hottest ticket in town. Like these guys are walking on clouds and then we go four and nine, lose to teams that we shouldn't be losing to. And, you know, now the criticism, that's the one thing about college football is, when you are up, I mean, the media loves you. When you're down, the media crushes you, and it, everyone knows, right? And it was rough walking into church on Sunday. After <laughs> like, oh, my God. <laughs> Real talk. You know what I mean? Like it's, yep. it's like, oh, my gosh, I just locked in the door, and, like, I couldn't talk to anybody. And, but, you know, the, we figured it out. We made some changes. We had to make some difficult changes. Coaches wise, Kalani did personnel wise, um, and we went seven and six the following year. Mm -hmm. Okay, we're on the right path. I think we're going good. You know, where I think we're, we're okay. We got out of the dungeon of four and nine. We got to seven and six, and then the following year we went seven and six again. Mm -hmm. And so, like, what is happening? We had to really refocus on ourselves because BYU for a lot of programs seven and six is great. Yeah, but not for yeah. BYU. Right, not for BYU. Um, not when you have University of Utah and they're killing it every year. Yep. Uh, you know, in the state and, and Utah State. And so we had to really redefine, you know, and trust in our systems. And we were, we developed, right? And so we took a lot of kids that had the right measurables, the right character, and we, we muscled through them, you know, and, uh, we developed, developed, we're patient. And last year, those kids that were starting as freshmen, that we were seven and six and seven and six, we go into the COVID year and we're thinking, we felt really good before COVID that we have a squad. We've finally got a squad that we've developed, that we've handpicked. They're all our guys and that we're going to win. And then COVID hit and wiped everything out. And luckily for us, we had an athletic director that was aggressive and just tried to play, put a schedule together of whoever. And we went 11 and one, right? Mm -hmm. Last year. Mm -hmm. But then there was doubters like, ah, but they didn't play nobody. Right. They didn't play anybody. They didn't play no power five schools, blah, 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 blah. And so we went and that, that fueled us from the moment from January 1st, that fueled us to say, okay, we're going to prove the world. We have six power five teams this next year 2021 yeah. Yeah. you know and we're gonna prove to the world that we're for real and we went out and did it you know and we went 10 and 2 we unfortunately mm -hmm. lost in the bowl game 10 and 3 which is a little sour taste in our mouth but that was that was satisfaction that we're on the right path 
you know, we're doing the right things and it's okay. You know, I wish that we didn't have that four and nine year or that seven and six and seven to six seasons back to back, but we needed it. And it was what you do when you get knocked down and we got up and we kept working and kept grinding and believing in what we're trying to accomplish. And we did it, you know, and now we're, now that the ball is rolling, there's an expectation to keep it rolling, Mm. you know, and we're living up for that challenge and we got to make decisions, you know? And so it's been a great ride and it's been a lot of life lessons I've learned just through my career of football at BYU. It's never be complacent. You know, we want more. We want to do – we were 10, 11, and 10, and 3 this year, whatever. We want to be better. We want to go more. And now we're going to invited to the Big 12. We want to be ready to go. We don't want to, you know, wait six, seven years to compete. We want to start competing now, you know. And so uh, that, that's basically it, my bro. That's what I've learned. So. Yeah, right? And so for me – us winning in 2007, I mean, I got more awards in football and in business than I, I have room, right? But really, that's in the tribute to process. But one of the thing about process that creates internal pressure is a precedent. Like when you set a precedent that's very high in expectation, and when you go for like 14 and 0 your first year, <laughs> sure. you know, like you said, it's like a 10 and 3 year, a 10 and 2 year, you know, whatever. It's just like everything. It's like BCS or bust. And, yeah, yeah. and that's the culture. And, and that's really the, especially of a BYU program. I mean, the, the legends and the people that, I mean, Jim McMahon, you guys had the, I think it was the number two pick uh, a yeah, year exactly ago, right? Exactly. Yeah, he, he, he's the number two pick. And you develop uh, some guys that are like, there's a DN that came out. You already mentioned him, right? Uh, um, uh, oh my yeah. gosh, that African cat? Yeah. Yeah, 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 Ziggy. Man, like, like the standards are really high. And the thing is, in terms of press setting precedent, is you actually can do it. Like, yeah. you guys can roll into the, to the Big 12. And given, you know, Baylor and those guys got some exceptional talent, so does Texas. But so does BYU, right? Yeah. So really, now, the precedent I always thought was not the fact that this goal is so high, but like, why not us? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, we learned. Why not us? Come on, Jay. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, bro. That's the biggest, now that you're exactly right. You know, it's like, um, it's like my son, you know, in high school, before he had high school, he had goals to be, he had goals, right? Like dad, we sit down and he's like, I go, son, what do you want out of your football career? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or recruit. I want to be this. I want to be that. I'm told him, look, if you want that, then you got to sacrifice. You got you can't go out. You got. I, I have no video games in my house. I don't. Be, it doesn't belong in my house. Right, you know, right. when your guys are out there, you're out working out. I'm gonna get you a private trainer. You're gonna do this. You got to have great grades. You got to blah 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 blah. And my son, you know, bless his heart, he was ready for the challenge. That's what he wanted, mm-hmm. right? But it's all, you know, until his very first offer. He had a very his first offer was in eighth grade. You know, it was with BYU. And um, and then he had Utah. Then it was, you know, then it was bam, bam, bam. But until that first offer, everything is just fantasy. Yeah, yeah. He's right, right, he has right. faith in me. Like, I'm trusting my dad. My dad's been in this game. I'm trusting him. But once you got the first one, it clicked and was like, 
I can do this. Right. And then we go to LA and do the Nike camps in LA and go to Oklahoma, do their camps, go to SC, go to UCLA, go to Oregon, go to Stanford. And the kids like, I can do this. I can compete because I've been there and moving on. Bam, bam, bam. You have multiple offers after that, but it's the same with life right now. You're the, the players in our program have faith in us. And mm-hmm. then we did it. Right. right. Now it's like, okay, they've done it. And they're playing, they're not just playing, you know, regular G5 teams. They beat SC and Utah and Arizona State and, you know, you name it. They beat them. And, uh, you know, it's now it's like, yeah, just like what you said, the precedent's been set. It's not yep. like it's something new. We're not yep. talking about have faith in us. We've done it, you know. And i tell you one thing that was a big difference with Coach Kalani that I've ever, that I've never had experienced is that he really coaches out of love. Mm. The fear-based coaching, like the old school coaching, like I'm used to that I was brought up of, Hey, you're going to do this and you're going to run through the wall. Yeah, 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 yeah. Blah, blah, blah. That's not Kalani. Kalani is, is it's, you know, it, it took me a while to transition from that because at Utah, where he was from, you know, Coach Witt is an old school coach, you know, right, 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 right. The detail, right, and bam, 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 and Kalani took a uh, took a whole different approach. And at first, I was like, man, I don't know if this is gonna work. Like, this is <laughs> real talk. Like, we're just we're not yelling at kids. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Like, there's no yelling. Like, what's happening here? You know, and. uh and it's work, man. And yeah, yeah. I right? feel like. I mean, c- come know. on, coach. When, when the kid feels like you, you sincerely have their personal interest and welfare as a priority, that you care and have genuine concern, not only do you create buy-in, and create a culture of buy-in, but that you're willing to live with the consequences of the outcome not coming out the way you want. Yeah. Because all of this game of life, leadership, business, and football and competition is a progression. And that you deal with the consequences and then move forward from there instead of fearing, fearing failing, which automatically inhibits performance because we all know and this is a scientific proven fact that as as anxiety and fear increases performance decreases yes versus love and and appreciation and that doesn't create pressure right it creates a freedom and a freely moving reactive like now it's like stimulus and response come on coach is that true or not true is that 100 that's 100 percent brother and it, that's not saying that you don't hold them accountable. Right. 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 Or hold right. expectations. Right. It's just being able to take, it takes a little bit more effort to be able to teach the whys. Mm-hmm. This is where, where we're at. This is the expectation. And this is how we, you know, this is what we expect. And this is how we're going to do it. And this is why we're going to do it. Yeah, and once yeah. they understand the why, okay, that drill makes sense. Okay. I, now I know why they want me to sit in the front of the class. Now I know, you know, blah, 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 why this is important, why that's important. And it's okay to fail. We're going to fail. Right, But right. it's okay to fail, you know, and to love them up and to feel like it's a safe spot. It's a safe environment to 
foster failure and success. You know, because if you think you can go through life without having any obstacles or any failure, you're sadly mistaken. You're going to have, we're put on this earth to be tested and to have tribulations and trials to make us stronger. And we're going to have failures and we're going to make poor decisions and we're going to make decisions that could affect our lives. And I think more than anything, we got to remember the soul of that person, that individual, and that this is just a young man or a young woman, you know, who has a whole life ahead of them. And we want to keep encouraging them, keep Mm -hmm. motivating them, keep Mm -hmm. loving them. Because what you said is correct, man. Fear, teaching and learning out of fear is is not the way to go anymore. I mean, we were were raised that way. Yeah, yeah. Shut your mouth. Shut your face before I fix your face. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, this generation in the recruiting classes, as well as the workforce in today's society, they quit. They quit. They will not respond to old school coaching. They need to be felt like they're cared, appreciated, developed for personal growth, that you're going to help them advance, get to the NFL. Like when they feel like you don't got that and you don't have value, they're going to turn it off. Come on, coach. Real, Real talk or not? That is real talk, brother. That's 100. That is 100. And that's why I'm saying you look into our locker room and you can go, you can put the stars next to compare our, our stars to anybody yeah, else. Yeah. Yeah. We don't have those stars. We're like Boise. Remember yeah. Yeah. yeah Boise, very- they played with the chip and they won games because they felt loved. They felt involved. They felt, you know, that they could grow. And, and if you made a mistake, if you drop a pass, the coach ain't pulling you out. You know, you miss an assignment, you blow a gap. Coach ain't yanking you out and screaming you down, but that, you know, hey, now the players are encouraging each other. The players hold each other accountable. Hey, get that play, man. You know, you, you're better than that. Come on, you know, and that's that's the beautiful part, bro. That's the beautiful part. Yeah, I mean, part. that's coaching, right, Coach? It's like, hey, you may not have been ranked a four- or five-star athlete, but you could perform like one through your preparation and how you now subscribe to what we do, like willingly subscribe to what we do. And then individually, you could perform like a five-star, like a Kellen Moore, who was not, you know, he was us in Idaho that that recruited him out of Prosser, Washington, but he's the most winningest quarterback in the history of college football. So like as a coach one, because you're a recruiting guy, it's like you have to find guys that love to play football and not get lost in the perception and the eyes that say this guy isn't a guy. Now, if you could find them, height, weight, speed, and they have the intangibles, right, the heart, mind, and soul, and the mentality and, and all that, great. But a lot of those guys, man, those are like Ohio State. Come on, real talk, right? Penn State. Yeah. Those guys are Alabama, sure. Clemson. Those are still to this day. Those are like, like, no, but but you could develop guys, Absolutely. and that's what from afar, you know, my my sofa coaching ass over here in, in freaking Elk Grove, watching your kids. <laughs> not only do you get great talent because you're still getting great talent, right? But you develop players. You coach yep. them up, right? Is that right or wrong? What are your thoughts? That's right, that we have to, and you, the proof's in the pudding. You know, and uh, you know Tyler Algier just declared for the NFL draft. Mm-hmm. You know, the, broke the season yardage record. He was came in as a walk on. 
He had no other <laughs> Division One offers, right? right? Came as a walk-on. We moved him to linebacker. You know, so he started at linebacker for a year, for a season. Then we put him to running back and, you know, and look at him. You know, baller. And he, baller. Right? Yeah, baller. He's declaring and he's going to be drafted this draft. And, you know, but you have to develop guys. And for us, we try to draw as many uh, correlations from football to off the field. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and, you know, now that we have children, you know, and the way I'm teaching my children is the same way I'm teaching or coaching these kids. You know, it's the same. And trying to develop these guys and hopefully they learn life skills, take away some things that I could be an example for them that maybe they may say, you know what, I love the way Coach IU did things. I want to react or communicate or or interact with people like the way he does or approach life the way he approaches. Hopefully I could be an example, you know, and that's what we're doing. That's why I love you, bro. Like what you're doing mm -hmm. is real. You're affecting I appreciate life. that. And yeah, you guys too, huge. man. You know, oh, you guys too, man. I mean, I mean, so I, I had one of the kids. Um, I got a flag football kid. BYU got to look at right now. <laughs> Our flag, <laughs> including Junior. I mean, Junior's a baller. My my son is way more athletic. I was a flat-footed effort guy, you know, four-seven yeah. guy. Like I, I think my son. I ran a five-one forty. You know, as a freshman, junior is going to be killing it. But then we also play with a kid and his dad's going to be coaching with us. I'm like, bro, we need to get Jason IU on your son right now. Yeah, but he's only in third grade, <laughs> you know, fourth grade. That's OK, because that's how because fourth grade to freaking 12th grade goes so fast. Right. So and, and you got to go to BYU and his dad's a BYU guy, you know. Oh, man. So in that, Jay, let's go into just what what would of these experiences. Right. Because right now you're you're in your late 40s. How old 40. are you? How 49. Old are you? 49. 49. Yep. Um, and so what 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 would be let's start with what would be like your message to the world? You know what? to be resilient, mm. you know, just to be resilient and keep your eye on the prize and whatever that is, whatever you identify as your success. Um, don't let anyone else tell you what your success is. Mm. Define your success. You define in your heart with your wife or with your kids or with your uh, husband or your spouse or whatever. And you define that together, what success looks like. You know, because I think there's so many people, especially with the social media, they're trying to project what success is supposed to look like. Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. how many zeros you're supposed to have in your pocket, what kind of cars you're supposed to drive. And trust me, I'm a human just like everybody else. I can mm -hmm. get caught up in that really quick. Like, oh, mm -hmm. you know, I can covet too, you know, <laughs> and want yeah. nice things for our family. But, you know, when you look down as a family, is that is when you take all that away, when you go to heaven, you can't take any of those material possessions, mm. right? And so those things don't matter. What matters is relationships and those around you. And do they love you and do you love them? And are you a good person? And do they, through your actions, do they know your core, you know, your values and what you bring, you mm -hmm. know? And so I never wanted to judge anybody by their title or, you know, 
the dollars or the car they drive. I think it's unfair to really know who that person is and get to know my closest friends, my family. We all struggle in this together. You know, we're all in it together. And I think one of the things, too, that really helped me was to realize sometimes when you're going through some hardships and some trials or things aren't going your way, you don't get a promotion, you don't get this, you don't get that, you start thinking like it's only you, like there's something wrong, that you're only experiencing and that you're some type of a failure mm -hmm. you're, or life is treating you wrong or why are they cheating you like that? They're cheating you. And, <clears throat> and when it comes to realize is like, you know what? being real talk and trying to be real with everybody everyone is struggling with something real talk we're, yeah we're all in this together as a family you know and you know and we're all struggling and people may not admit it some people don't want to admit that they're struggling and or don't know where to look to find help but i just want to tell the world that we're all in this together and whatever you're going through we can get through together you know, and there's someone there in your life that will help you to buoy you up, to support you, to carry you, to love you, um, you know, and it doesn't take too hard to look. You just got to look. So. And I love that message. Great message, coach. Great message. Um, let's go. Let's go. What are the projects that you could share? Take a minute or two. Like, what are the things that is your focal point for you, the program, if you like your family? Well, what are some projects that you're working on that we can look for in the future and see how that's going? Coach, my biggest focus right now is mental health, mm -hmm. mental fitness. You know, I know if, you, if I share with you the story of my own son, my son struggled with some mental illness. Um, his story is pretty public. He's been, I've been very proud of him as far as being opening up and opening up about it and being very vulnerable, but he was in a very dark, dark, dark spot. And this is an athlete, right? Well-known here in the community, a great kid, a good-looking kid. He has all these mm -hmm. offers, mm -hmm. playing BYU, is a good football player. Um, and so, and then <clears throat> no one knew it. Even me as a father had no idea the struggles. I had the old-school poly mentality, like, mm. like, what's the matter with you? Fix your face. What's the matter with you? You know, you know, and mm -hmm. I didn't understand. And it got to a point where, man, I could have lost my son. Mm -hmm. You know, it got to that point. And I think that was real hard because he's at BYU and I work at BYU. I see mm -hmm. him every day like any other father. I've been with my son every single day. All I coached him. I trained him. I've been to all the camps. He's at BYU. I work at BYU. I see him every day in the classroom and in, in the practice field and the weight room. And I had no idea. I had no clue that he struggled with anxiety and depression. I had no idea, brother. And mm. I don't want to be, you know, wake up one day and miss the signs. And, <clears throat> you know, and that's what our focus at BYU, that's my project I've been working on is – uh, it's actually with a company called FetaCore uh, that gives players, gives people. It's a free app. It's, it's incredible. It just helps people give a, you know, to let us know and to give us a way to check in on them. And they can, you know, in a safe way, tell us that, hey, I'm struggling right now, you know, and reach out to a circle of friends or a circle group of people that they trust and they can, 
give it like a bat signal and say, hey, I, I'm not feeling right now. I need some help and, and support them in that way. So that's, oh, that's project. my project. Yeah. That's a great project. Yep. And all of us need a why and a project to be working on that make us feel fulfilled, not just achieve and progress us or get money, but something that's worthwhile like that. That's awesome. Shout outs. What are your shout outs, coach? Who, who, who are you going to shout out? Well, I first got a shout out to my wife, man. My wife, Joanne, um, her maiden name is Kalali, the great Kalali family from Hawaii, from the big island. I'm just so grateful for her, um, her support through the years, through my endeavors of trying to do college football and uh, supporting our children. She's the backbone of my family. Yeah, because Jay, you, you never asked her for a couple of weeks. You were like, just give me five years. Just <laughs> five. It was like years. Just give me three years. Come on, Jay. Three years. Man. He supported me through it. Oh, you know? yeah. And you know, you know the coach's life. I mean, golly, I was sleeping in the offices, you know, because yep. you know. But anyway, so first and foremost, my beautiful wife. She's the rock of our family, and I couldn't do anything without her. To my father, my mother, you know, those are my shout outs. I also want to shout out to Kalani, giving me the opportunity again to be BYU to do what I do, to give me the freedom. To, to do what I do and to uh, let me be around the boys and, and to help develop and mentor these young men on and off the field. And so, you know, uh, of course, shout out to my Savior, Jesus Christ, grateful for mm. his sacrifice for us, Amen. me and you, and for forgiving me and my weaknesses and loving me unconditionally. And so thank you, my bro. Appreciate amen you. and amen to that. So welcome, everybody. If you just tuned in, you're listening to the Coach V Show here, powered by Island City. And we have our featured guest, BYU Director of Everything. He's the director of everything over there. That's what we're <laughs> going to call him. <laughs> and so he's an integral part of the BYU football staff. And um, Jason IU is the feature. And today we are now on the part in the segment of the show where we're going to put uh, Coach IU on the hot seat. Coach, here's the first hot seat question. I coach, teach, and train that process is about replicable steps that create replicable outcomes. If you don't have that process, you're going to be struggling. What are your thoughts on that, Coach IU? I love that. I think everyone needs to have measurable things that you can measure, you know, that you can measure and having a, a process is huge. I'm a big process guy. I got to know what I'm doing and what, why I'm doing it and how I'm going to do it and to be able right. to measure the success from it or the failures from it and to be able to adapt and change. And so I love, I absolutely love that process, brother. You're on the right track with that for sure. 100. And then, and then we could try to create buy-in. But when we really try to win people's heart and mind, then you really got some effective communication going. Let me say that again. Creating buy-in versus winning hearts and minds. And I feel that's the really only way that you could effectively communicate, which is the, it's the sending and or receiving information in the way that it was intended. If people don't trust you or what you're saying, or they feel you have ulterior motives, then effectively communicating about culture and what we're doing and the why and the who, what, where, all of that and the how, it's missed and you can't maximize. What are your thoughts on that, Coach? Oh, I, I love that you say that because as you look at it through everyone, every individual, I don't care who you are, 
wants to be heard. Mm. Right? They want to be heard. They want to feel like they belong That's to right. something, right? They want to be understood. You know what I mean? They want to feel special. And I, I really kind of feel like they can re- feel like they can reach your potential and that they have some type of control mm-hmm. in their life. Like right. they, they have control over it. And I think those are mm-hmm. some human truths um, that ring true with every human being, you know, and I think they, they want to be heard and understood. They want to feel special, man. They want to feel like they belong, you know, and they want to feel like they have control and that they can reach whatever goal they can reach. And I think that those are things that really resonated with me. Um, and once you do that with an individual, they feel that from you, the buy-in is easy because the, you got their heart and they know mm-hmm. where you're coming from. Right. And then right now, in, especially in this world with the political climate and things are so just so crazy. There's a lot of mistrust out there. Who do we trust? Do I trust you? What's your ulterior motive? What are you trying yeah. to sell? Right. Right. And when you speak from the heart, people feel it. Right. They feel you. They feel your spirit. They feel your heart. And like I can talk to your blue in the face, but if you don't feel me, and who I am and what my purpose is with you, that's a hard, that's a hard sell. You yeah. know what I mean? Real talk. <laughs> that's real talk. So that is, that is some real talk. And then lastly, winning ain't easy, but somebody got to do it. Might as well be you. Your thoughts on that, coach? 100. <laughs> There's a winner and a loser, right? Or the now. You know what I mean? And, um, I'm born to to win and to win over and over again. You know what I mean? Like we want to win. I've never gotten into any competition ever and saying, you know, I want it's okay, I'm gonna lose. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, right. well, you know, like it's okay, I'll yeah. take this loss. Nah, I'm not taking this loss. You know, even after the bowl games, even after every loss, like I'm a I don't want to say I'm a poor sport, but it yep. kills me. Right. And it's yep. so much more gratifying to win. So let's, I don't, I want to win with no regrets and I want to mm. lose with no regrets. Right. I want to put it all out there. You know what I mean? I don't want, ah, oh, would have, could have done it, should have done this. I want to throw it all out there. And if I, and if I win, great. And if I lose, I can live with it because I know I put everything out there. My preparation was on point. Yeah. No, so, doubt. You know. no, that's great. And, and then what about a, just a final, final, what are your final words as we sign off here? Take 30 seconds to a minute. Anything else, coach? Yeah, I just think, you know, it's, we're December 29th. We're going on to the new year. I hope that everyone had an opportunity to reassess, reevaluate, review their life this past year and to really make some really hardcore resolutions of things. And, and you can start small. It doesn't have to be some big, gigantic thing. Yeah. Which is something that you can grow on, you know, and to improve your life or touch on someone else's life and maybe maybe you don't try to improve your own life or work on your own life but work on helping someone else achieve their mm-hmm. goals and i think through doing that through service and love to other people and affecting other people positive being a positive influence you know being that pebble that's thrown in the pond that causes ripple effects and you be the one that's that smiles and says good morning or compliments someone i mean that that if we need more of that in the world today, we need more positivity, more love, bro. And so that's it. 
Real talk and amen and amen. Well, thank you, Brother Jason Ayu, for coming on the show. Um, and thank you to everybody for tuning in. And, and Jason and I, Coach and I, uh, we do this just not for the sake of your success, but really for the sake of you being your best. In doing so, you realize the best of your abilities and that everything and anything that you dream and work for can be achieved. This is how Coach Jason Ayu of BYU and your boy Coach V lives, all about faith and family, grateful for God's amazing grace. Until next Mono Motivation Monday, thank you so much for tuning in here to the Coach V Show, your Hollywood personal development radio show, broadcast from Hollywood, California, powered by Island City Media Group, where the beach meets the streets. Until next time, your boy Jason Ayu and your boy Billy Ami Tuibai. Until next time, one love. Mad respects. Live it. Peace. Very cool. Much love, my brother. Thank you.